0: Print shop uh, after Sunday school today, and um, I just want to say this: when you're a printer, uh, sometimes the sheet of paper that you print on uh, ends up being a lot bigger than what you start with. Most people look at this and say, "Wow, that's a pretty good size sheet of paper. It's 11 by 17," and and they think maybe they come into the print shop and say, "I need a thousand 11 by 17s folded in half," and we're going to use that for a flyer, or a marketing brochure, or whatever. And so they think we start with this. But a real printer starts with a sheet about this big. And Ralph is, Ralph is thinking right now, Kevin doesn't have a press big enough to print that sheet of paper, and you would be right. So when, when we're thinking about finished product, we'll, we'll think with the end in mind. But we know that we're going to start with something a lot bigger, a lot bigger sheet. And so we're able to get five of those 11 by 17s out of this 25 by 38 sheet of paper. And you can see there's a little bit of waste here. These white gutters indicate that's where your waste is. And printers are always concerned about waste as well. And if you'll notice, there's a great big area over here that appears to be unused and if we don't come up with a plan for this part over here, it is going to be unused, it's going to end up in the trash so I want to tell you a little story back when I was probably Isaac, Caleb's age, Carly's age John, John, Benjamin Joel, about your age maybe Lucy, maybe Lucy's age so, my father invited me out to the garage, because that's where the print shop was at that point, and he wanted me to work on a project that he was that he had. We we were doing some printing for a Southern Baptist evangelist by the name of Johnny Bray, and he would take his sermons and turn them into these little booklets, and uh, my dad designed and and typeset and then print printed those and. And so what he found was that when we printed the covers for his booklets on the bigger sheet of paper, there was this area that was going to end up in the trash. And so Dad said, well, I'm going to come up with something with that. And so he came up with a to-do list. And so it was about this size. And you could fit, you know, six or seven of those on that page. And... uh, So he would come up with this to-do list, we would put them on there, we'd print them. We printed literally millions of those to-do lists. Now, number one on the to-do list was call Nevin Wax for printing. So there's a little bit of promotion in there. And then items number two through 15 were just blank lines. You could fill in whatever it was you felt like you needed to do for that day. And so I want to ask you, do you you have to-do lists? There are several things that I need to do every single day. Things that, without a to-do list, they're probably not going to get done. Time out. Time out. I just want to confess that there are some things I don't need to put on my to-do list. Strangely enough, I don't have to put eat three good meals a day on my to-do list. Strangely enough, I mean, I know some people may struggle with that, but... um, when it comes to that, my struggle is on the other side of the scales, if, if you know what I mean. Uh, also, I, I don't have to put talk to Rhonda on my to-do list. Uh, eating three good meals a day, talking to Rhonda, uh, these are things that I just love to do. And they come so naturally to, naturally to me that I don't ever have to include them on my list. But you know what is on my to-do list? Reading my Bible. Praying if only reading my Bible were as easy and automatic as talking to Rhonda. If only praying was as easy and automatic as eating three good meals a day. I have found that I really have to work hard at these daily disciplines. And I have to hold myself accountable by including reading my Bible and praying on my to-do list. But Brother Kevin... You're a pastor. Shouldn't this kind of come naturally to you? Shouldn't reading your Bible and praying, shouldn't that come naturally to you? Well, you know, one would think so. One would even dare to hope so. But I have not found that to be the case. I know I need to be in the Word and on my knees, but I'm not anywhere near fully sanctified. And the Lord is still conforming me to the image of His Son. And let me just go ahead and say this. Paul said that he was the chiefest of sinners well when it comes to praying I don't know if I'm the chiefest of sinners but I've got to be close I'm just not where I should be how about you where are you are you praying and reading your Bible daily are these two basic spiritual disciplines are they on your list on your to do list now I gotta say this you can put them on your list and you can do them and that won't save you. You can put them on your list and you can do them and that won't make you spiritual. But it's hard to imagine a scenario where the scripture and talking to God on a daily basis wouldn't positively affect your walk with Christ because it will. And we need to be doing this. So I think it's appropriate that we pray right now. Father, you know, um, when I said that I'm not good at praying, I I imagine you chuckled a little bit. And uh, maybe you leaned over to the sun and said, Oh, I could tell you some stories. Because you know how deficit I am. But this is not about me, this is about us and our relationship with you, and how you desire to speak to us through your word and to hear us talk back to you in an appropriate way through prayer. Help us to do just that in this message today. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Will not God grant justice to his elect? It's another theme today, justice, the theme of justice. This is a great question, and it's a question that Jesus asked in Luke chapter 18, verses 1 through 8. So if you have your Bibles, if you'll turn to Luke chapter 18, verses 1 through 8. We'll go there right now and see what Jesus has to say to to us today from this passage. In Sunday school, we talked quite a bit about how to pray. We talked about the Lord's Prayer, and we had a great discussion on prepositions uh, for and as, and and what do these things actually mean? And, and, And the disciples did not know how to pray. At least they did not know how to pray the way Jesus was praying. And they said, Lord, teach us to pray. Well, you know, like John the Baptist taught his disciples. And then Jesus took the Lord's Prayer, gave them the Lord's Prayer, and taught them how to pray. But I want to talk about this parable that Jesus gave a little bit later. And we'll be reading Luke chapter 18, verses 1 through 8. Hear the word of the Lord. Now he told them a parable on the need for them to pray always and not give up. There was a judge in a certain town who didn't fear God or respect people. And a widow in that town kept coming to him saying, Give me justice against my adversary. For a while... He was unwilling. But later he said to himself, Even though I don't fear God or respect people, yet because this widow keeps pestering me, I will give her justice so that she doesn't wear me out by her persistent coming. Then the Lord said, Listen to what the unjust judge says. Will not God grant justice to his elect who cry out to him day and night? Will he delay helping them? I tell you that he will swiftly grant them justice. This is the word of the Lord. The great preacher Ligon Duncan commented on this passage. And I want you to listen very carefully to what he says. Quote, Your God is not like that unjust judge. But here's the problem. When you are hopeless... That's how you think about him. When you are hopeless, you think he doesn't care. You think he is just like that unjust judge. And Jesus' whole point is to say to you in this story, Jesus is saying, your God is not like that unjust judge. Look at how he says it. Will not God grant justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Jesus is painting a contrast. As Ralph said in Sunday school today, The main point of this is, God ain't that judge. If this judge, for his own selfish reasons, will give this widow justice, will not your God, your loving Heavenly Father, will not not He give you justice? So that's the problem. When we're at the end of a long, hard struggle, when we're at the end of a long, hard time, when it feels like we can't get our prayers answered, when we're at the end of a long, hard struggle where it seems like God is not hearing us and if he is hearing us, he's not answering us and if he's not answering us, he's not giving us what we so desperately think we need. We begin to think that God is that unjust judge. I remember we were building the house that we currently live in and I, the, our friend who was building it for us told us, he, he said, now, since we're doing a cost plus, it's going to take a while for me to actually finish your house. It's going to take longer than normal. But you, you're going to have to be patient with me because I'm going to have to put the paying customers in front of you. That's, he didn't say it exactly like that, but that's pretty much what he said. It's a Good friend. He was so kind to us through that whole process. But by the time I got to month six, I was so weary of the process. And I was just praying, Lord, can we just get this over with? And then it got to the point where I said to the Lord, Lord, if you will just allow me to sleep in that house one night before I die, it will be worth it. We were at the end of a long, hard process. And you know what? God granted that prayer. He he said yes. And I haven't done the math lately, but it's something like 6,000 nights since then. It's probably more than that. But here's my question for you. Are, Are you praying daily? Are you praying persistently? Are you praying about... The pandemic. Have you even thought to ask God to deliver us from this pandemic? And if you have, have you asked him persistently, day after day, like the widow in this parable that Jesus tells us about, have you said, how long, Lord? In the oldest psalm in the Bible, Psalm 90, written by Moses, one of the great passages in that song that, old psalm, is Moses saying, how long, Lord? I know I haven't. And so, I, I don't know about you, maybe you have, maybe you haven't, but if not, why not? Why are we not asking the Lord to deliver us from this plague? The psalmist certainly prayed and asked the Lord to deliver us or deliver him from the pestilence. Pestilence is just another word for a coronavirus, SARS, the bubonic plague, the Spanish flu, whatever contagious, deadly disease the world finds itself facing. And if you want a psalm specifically about this, Psalm 91. Because you see, the church has dealt with plague before. God's people have dealt with plague before. Psalm 91, I'm just going to read the first eight verses of it, but listen for references to the plague or the pestilence. Hear the word of the Lord. The one who lives under the protection of the Most High dwells in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say concerning the Lord, who is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust, He Himself will rescue you from the bird trap, from the destructive plague. He will cover you with His feathers. You will take refuge under His wings. His faithfulness will be a protective shield. You will not fear the terror of the night, the arrow that flies by day, the plague that stalks in darkness, or the pestilence that ravages at noon. Though a thousand fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand, the pestilence will not reach you. You will only see it with your eyes and witness the punishment of the wicked. This is the word of the Lord. Read the rest of Psalm 91. Later today, read it. Read the whole thing. Look for additional references to the pestilence or to the plague. Are you praying daily? Are you praying persistently? Well, let me just ask it this way. Are you praying more than you're whining? Are you praying more than you're complaining? Are you praying more than you're just checking the news and shaking your head in disgust? Here's another one. Are you praying that the Lord will deliver us from the tragic violence that is sweeping across our nation? And have you asked Him persistently, day after day, like the widow in this parable that Jesus tells us, have you said, how long, Lord, turn in on have compassion on your servants? If you haven't, I've got to ask you, why not? Is it, because, is it because you don't believe He can answer? Is it because you believe that your prayers have no impact? Or is it because you've lost heart? Why do we lose heart when we pray? Maybe you and I are like the prophet Habakkuk. He could not understand why God would allow the deadly violence and injustice of his day. Sounds a little bit like the deadly violence and injustice of our day, doesn't it? Could it be that he didn't understand what God was actually doing? Could it be that we don't understand what God is actually doing? We know that he wants us to have faith. We know that we are to be faithful in prayer. I want to read just a little bit from Habakkuk to you. Hear the word of the Lord. This is Habakkuk chapter 1, verses 2 and 3. How long, Lord? There There it is again. How long, Lord? How long, Lord, must I call for help and you do not listen? Or cry out to you about violence and you do not save? Why do you force me to look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? Oppression and violence are right in front of me. Strife is ongoing and conflict escalates. That's Habakkuk chapter 1 verses 2 and 3. And then God answers Habakkuk. And this is what he says. And listen to the mood swing. Listen to the shift. God says, look at the nations and observe. Be utterly astonished. For I am doing something in your days that you will not believe when you hear about it. But the righteous one will live by his faith. Do you hear what God's saying? Hang in there. I am doing something. He didn't say, he did not say, I'm going to do something. He said, I am doing something. We just can't see it. We just can't see the big picture. Habakkuk couldn't figure out what God was up to, and we can't figure out what God's up to. He's beyond us. Could it be that we just don't understand? Could it be that he has something wonderful in store for us? Something unbelievable? Regardless of what God has planned for us, we do know that he wants us to pray. He commands it and he commands us to be faithful and persistent in our prayer. Probably the greatest prayer warrior in the last 200 years, a man by the name of George Mueller. Pastor, orphanage director, well known for his faith, well known for his persistent, consistent, precise prayers that he would pray asking the Lord, Lord, will you please send us 20 gallons of milk and 16 loaves of bread because we are out and we need it to feed the orphans. Now what was interesting about George Mueller is that he would pray these specific prayers and not tell anybody what he was praying. He would record them in his diary and then the Lord would specifically, precisely answer those prayers. Whenever he prayed for specific needs for his orphanage, God sent exactly what was required. Yet for more than 40 years, and Rodney mentioned this in Sunday school today, for more than 40 years he prayed for the salvation of a dear friend. This went on so long, his concern for this man's soul went on for so long, and he was on his prayer list, but he wasn't saved. It went on so long that he added his son, this man's son, he added him to the list too because he was not saved either. George Mueller died, these men were still lost. But God answered those prayers in his own timing because the man was saved at George Mueller's funeral, and his son was saved the week after that. When we look at this passage and we think about God, sometimes when we're so frustrated and so worn out and tired, we begin to think of God as the unjust judge, but God is Is not the unjust judge. He is our loving father. He knows best. He loves you. He wants what's best for you. Oh, and by the way, in this story, there's a widow. We're not the widow, we're the bride. We're the bride of his son, his favorite son, Jesus. We have an advocate. Will not God grant justice to his elect? Yes, He will. Now, He told them a parable on the need for them to pray always and not give up. God will most definitely do what He says He will do, but He'll do it on His timetable. He wants you to pray always and don't give up. One of the reasons why we meet together as a body of Christ is to hold one another accountable. So I I tell you this most excellent example. Early on, African converts to Christianity were earnest and regular in in their private devotions. Each one had a separate spot in the thicket where he or she would go to pour out their heart to God. Over time, the paths to these special prayer places became worn. And you could see where, where they were going. As a result, if one of these believers began to neglect prayer it soon became apparent to the others and they would kindly remind the negligent one, brother, the grass grows on your path. God will most definitely do what he says he will do. He wants you to pray always and not give up. You know, when you think about this, this is a little bit like a puzzle and our lives are like a puzzle. But a lot of times, we're just concentrating on this, what we consider to be the finished product. And we forget that God is stitching it all together. He's got the big picture in mind. But one day he's going to reveal all of that to us. And then we'll understand. But until then, pray and don't give up. Father, we thank you for this example because you know, without this example, uh, we might be tempted to say, well, it's all in your hands, Lord. You're going to resolve this the way that it's going to be resolved. We submit to your will, whatever you want, Lord. We, But that's not what you told us, what you told us. And the purpose that you gave us this parable was to remind us to pray and to pray persistently and to remember that you are not an unjust judge, you are the loving father. And remember that we are not the widow in this story, we are the bride, the bride of Christ. And so, Lord, I confess to you my lack of prayer. I confess to you my prayerlessness. And I ask, Lord, that you would forgive me and that you would make praying, talking to you, just as natural as it is for me to talk to Rhonda. And we pray all these things in your name, Jesus. Amen.